long in our lesson tonight. It's already nine o'clock. By that clock, if somebody will remind me, I'll reach up there and change it after service. I know how to do it. Reach out and touch it. First Timothy chapter 4, verse number 11. First Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 11. These things command and teach. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers. In word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Neglect, <laughs> neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by, pre by presbytery, with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. I'd like to teach tonight on take heed, but a subtitle would be a collision course. A collision course. It merely means to be aware of the surroundings, pay attention to what's going on, so that's definitely what we need to do in our world today. Let's ask the Lord to help us, Savior. We endeavor to break the bread of life, to feed your children the words of truth. We ask you to help us tonight. Give to us understanding and revelation. And we ask it in the name that is above every name. And everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Take heed to yourself. Pay attention, be alert, watch, and pray. We are on a collision course today in our world. We're on a collision course with science. In fact, I read this week where they said climate change should not be science. It should be religion. To some, it already is. That's why we are in a collision course tonight with science. I recognize that today we're in a collision course with evolution. They're now discovering that the founder of evolution may not have been quite so right on the origin of species. We are on a collision course with science. We're on a collision course with religion. Religion is becoming more of a society, social gathering and social gospel. And we're going to clash somewhere because truth must prevail. We're on a collision course with society as a whole. It seems as though politicians, educators, and those that are in power seem to be driving the narrative that religion is not 
actually written in the Bible, but it's something of your own decision deep in your own heart and life rather than biblical truths. So I preach to you that we are on a collision course. It reminded me of the woman that entered the one-way road about the time that her husband called her and said, I just heard on the radio that there is a woman driving her car on a one-way road and all the traffic is facing her. She said, duh, they're all going the wrong way. That's certainly what our world is facing today. We are going one direction and they're going a different direction. And we are on a collision course in so many areas. Society is pitting male against female, rich against the poor, race against race, rural against cities, education against non-educated, workers and bosses are at war, strikes and what have you, and even today's world, children against parents, and it was prophesied 2,000 years ago in the New Testament as well as Isaiah some 2,700 years ago that children would be the rulers of society and they certainly are taking control of a lot of things today. So I preach to you today in our lesson, take heed because we are on a collision course with our world. I don't know whether you really understand where we are. I hope you do. I hope you follow enough of the news not to get mad enough to do anything dangerous, but uh, follow the news enough to know that we're at the end of the world and everything's pointing towards the end of the world. Luke chapter 21, verse 34, kind of makes it plain as we read. He said, take heed to yourselves. Take heed to yourselves. Pay attention to your surroundings. Be alert of what's going on. Lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of life. So that that day come upon you unawares. You need to be alert enough of the things that's happening around us to recognize that we are really on a collision course with society, religion, science, and our world. We need to be alert enough to know that what's going to happen to our world is going to come upon them as a snare. It's going to be something, as one scripture said, he's coming as a thief in the night, and it's coming on the face of the whole world. I know that you're aware because you hear preaching and you're in church, but sometimes we as saints of God forget in our daily lives that we're on the brink of the coming of the Lord. He went on to say in verse 36 of 21st chapter of Luke, Watch ye therefore and pray always that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and then to stand before the Son of Man. The Bible tells us that to them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. We need to look for him. We need to be alert of the surroundings and recognize that our world is not getting better. It's getting worse and worse. Evil men and seducers waxing worse and worse. Take heed to yourselves. Be aware of your surroundings. Not not, I'm not just talking about driving a car, and I'm not just talking about 
being in a mall, and I'm not just talking about even these uh, active shooter situations. Uh, I'm, I'm talking about being aware of your spiritual surroundings uh, and recognize that we're on the brink of the coming of the Lord. Acts, the 20th chapter and the 26th verse said, Wherefore, I take you to record this day that I am, that I am pure from the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock. This is to the ministry that we need to recognize that we are leaders of the flock. I can never let down on the fact that there is a presence of God that we need to seek, we need to search for, and we need to worship him all the time. Take heed, therefore, to yourself and to the flock. It is our job to help watch you. Keep, keep, keep the word of God alive in this place. I don't know how much you love preaching, but I love preaching. I love to be preached too. I love to hear great preaching. They say there's two kinds of preaching that makes a preacher want to preach. One is very, very good, powerful preaching. It makes a preacher want to preach. And the other is very, very bad preaching. It makes a preacher want to get up and take over. He went on to say, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. And Paul said this, for I know, listen to this, I know that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. He recognized that after his time on earth was over, that there would be an influx of false doctrine. It certainly happened from the time the disciples left this world till about 300 A.D. They started, they started perverting the gospel. They started without searching for the Holy Ghost and answering to scriptural truths according to the word of God that had been given to them by the disciples uh, and the apostles. They started with their creeds and their little councils and trying to find an answer to some of the things that we know for certain today and understand for certain. But they started perverting the gospel. Even Paul wrote to the church at Galatia, first chapter in the sixth verse, he said, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ into another, unto another gospel, which is not another. We need to recognize that we have been given a revelation of truth today. There's no other gospel. There's no other truth. There's no other revelation. I said sometime back in teaching, I said, there's, there's no new truths to look for. There's no new revelations to look for. The Bible has already given to us all the counsel of God and his word. What we have to do as a church, we have to hold on to what we have. Don't let it slip. Don't, let, don't, don't lose your love for preaching. Don't let, lose your love for the Word of God. Don't lose your love for His Spirit. Don't lose your love for the house of God. Hang on to what we have. It didn't take very long after the apostles were off the scene until there was confusion. Paul knew it, and he said, I know as soon as I'm gone, there's going to be a perverting of the gospel, and there's going to be those that will come in privately 
and try to destroy what I have said. He called them grievous wolves, biting and devouring against truth, coming in among you, not sparing the flock, making merchandise of men, drawing people away. Let me just say it as plain as I can say it. Don't allow anybody to take you away from this church. Don't let false teachers talk to you about false doctrines and draw you away from the church. You need to study your Bible so you know that this is the truth. There's no falseness taught here. There's no false prophets brought to this pulpit. We believe this truth. It's the truth that was proclaimed in the New Testament. And we still believe it. And we still love it. And we still stand by it. And we still worship God who gave it to us. Oh, hallelujah. We got to be careful that somebody doesn't come along and try some new doctrine on us. And, and every once in a while, there's a new doctrine that comes up. A few years ago, there was a man in Ethiopia that pulled a whole lot of people away by what he termed the divine flesh doctrine. And that was a doctrine that taught that Jesus Christ in the flesh had no earthly origin. They called us the dirt worshipers because we worship Jesus Christ who came as a human born of a woman made under the law, called us dirt worshipers. They said that Jesus was of divine flesh. It wasn't long after that doctrine was introduced in Ethiopia that we had the privilege to go in 2005, and we traveled the whole country of Ethiopia. I'll never forget that trip, visiting almost every area. We went so far into the bush that trip that they had never seen. A white man had never come to that part of the country. They had seen white men. They'd gone into the, the capital city or what have you. But no white man had ever gone that far into the bush. We were in primitive territory. We were in the back bush where houses were made out of shrubs and bushes. And, and they had their cows for their milk. They had their chickens for their eggs. Uh, and they planted their gardens. Uh, and they had heard about truth. And they... They had heard then about the false doctrine as traveling men had come through there. And they said, Brother Smith and Brother Frost and Brother Garrett will not come this far. And Brother Smith made up his mind that we were going. And I agreed, let's go. I enjoyed, I was younger then, I enjoyed a good trip. Well, it started raining the night before. And Brother Smith had prayed, don't let it rain so bad that we can't get there. We got up that morning and it had rained all night long. And the driver came in where we were having a little cup of coffee, getting ready to travel. He said, we can't go. We can't go. He said, it's too bad. He said, we lost a bus today. It turned over and killed some people and we just can't go. Brother Smith rose up. He said, we're going. Okay, Brother Smith. We're going. And that was a fun trip. The road was so muddy. We watched the buses in front of us try to traverse the mountain. And they came over on two wheels. And then they'd come back because the ruts were so deep. So our driver, which was supposed to be an excellent driver, decided he wasn't going to take the road. He was going to take the side dirt. Yes. The mud was slinging. We had to get out and walk. 
It was up to our knees almost. But we walked and let him try to get the car to the top of the little hill, which he did. And then we got back in it and we drove. But when we got to the back part of the country there where we were going, it was still so muddy and so deep we had to get out of the car again because they did not know how deep the ruts were and the car could turn over. Well, we got out and we walked and again, the water was deep and the rain, but we got there. And I can tell you that those folks were so excited to see us and to hear the truth that we came to, to talk about. They got so excited, they shouted, they prayed, and what a service we had. Because truth is more than just dogma. Revelation is greater than just some scholastic idea of some scholar. This truth has deep meanings, uh, and it means much. Uh, and so today, as I teach this, he said, I marvel that you are so soon removed uh, from the <clears throat> grace of Christ into another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. And then he said, though we are an angel. Now, we were almost angels to those folks that day. They had a spread of food that you, not, you probably would not like. I didn't. But we ate it anyway. They put out a spread of food trying to impress us, and we were very thankful for it, but they were so thankful we were there. But the ones that thought we would never make it, they keep, kept saying, they'll never do it, they'll never go. Leave them alone, they'll never go. But we went. You know why this gospel is more important than weather? This gospel is more important than people. This gospel is more important than things. This gospel is truth. Hallelujah. He went on to say in verse 10, for, I, for do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. But I certify you. In other words, Paul said, I have the certification, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me was not of men. We didn't receive this from some Bible school somewhere. We didn't receive this by, by some man telling us something out of another, another book of some sort. Paul got it directly from the Lord. He gave to us the epistles of the New Testament. And he said, I certify you, brethren. In other words, I have a certification that I come to you knowing what I'm preaching, that I did not receive this from man. I received it from the Lord himself. Oh, this truth is so beautiful. There's nothing like the oneness of God. There's nothing like Jesus' name, baptism. There's nothing like having a full repentance of truth in your life. Somebody ought to shout. Oh, hallelujah. And then Paul began to write in the third chapter, 1 Corinthians, verse 10. He started talking about a foundation. And I won't dwell long on the foundation, but just let me read. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he builds thereon. This truth, tomorrow will be 76 years since this church started. And Sister Evie's here, I believe, was in the first week or so of this church and Jimmy Dean is still alive, not doing very well, but doing still alive. And Brother Darrell Allspaw, Sister Amelia Allard, which was an Allspaw, and Evelyn Allspaw, and uh, 
I think that's about it that's left from that first week. Can you believe this church still has five people 76 years ago? You know why we can rejoice in that? Because this wasn't built on personality. This wasn't built on music, and we love our music. Aren't you thankful for our music? Aren't you glad we have great musicians, great singers? It's not what the church was built on. We love it. That's a big part of it. But this church was built on the gospel. This church was built on a foundation that cannot be shaken. It's a truth that's recorded in the Bible. A bloodline that runs from the book of Genesis uh, to the book of Revelations. I'm so glad I had a teacher. My elder drilled it into us. And I love it. Don't you love the truth? Verse 12, now if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. I just want to deviate briefly. I'm talking about watching. We're on a collision course. We're going to face more persecution as time goes on. I've always been one that believed in the imminent return of Jesus Christ. I believe he could come any time. But the longer he tarries waiting on somebody to get on fire for God, our world is going to get worse and worse. You need to get yourself on a foundation of truth that you can never be shaken no matter what happens. No matter who falls, no matter who gets up, no matter who comes, no matter who goes, you got to have foundation under you that holds when everything else has fallen apart around you. Make up your mind, I'm living for God no matter what. For the fiery trials will come. The effects of society is going to come. Our world is going to have its time against us. But we made up our mind. We're standing until Jesus comes. We're standing until Jesus comes. So everybody's going to go through a trial. And one scripture talks about the fiery darts of the enemy. It talks about fiery trials. It talks about going through the fire. The three Hebrew children went through the fire and they had a belief system in them that they was not going to bow. No matter what happened, their remark to the king was, oh king, we're not so careful to answer you in this matter. We don't know whether God's going to deliver us or not. Our God will deliver us, but if he don't, we're not going to bow. I think that's the attitude we ought to come to today. When we're looking around us and aware of the surroundings of our world and the effect of the world and the collision course that we're on in the world, make up your mind, no matter how strong the world comes against us, we're not giving in, we're not bowing, we're not bending, we're not giving up. This truth means more to us than anything in the world. What do you say? We learn what it is, live what it is, and be what it is. What do you say we put our whole mind into it, our whole life into it, 
Let this church be a firebrand of truth. Let this church be a firehouse uh, ready to let the glory of God shine bright in a dark world. Why would we sit by and let a world go by without knowing the power of God? Thank God for every service that we have where we can move in the presence of God. You've already shouted. You've already worshiped. But it wouldn't hurt again if we'd lift our hands right now and ask God to help us. Uh, help us see around us uh, that we can be strong in this day that we live uh, and hold to the truth that has been given to us. Oh, hallelujah. And say to Archippus, which was probably Philemon's son. He said, Take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord, that thou fill it. Somewhere in life, every one of us have to have a ministry. You may not have a pulpit ministry, and you may not want a pulpit ministry, but if you can understand that every one of us has a ministry, God's using each one of you. And as I was preached Sunday night, as I listened to it, I heard Pastor talk about it a little bit. You can go out to where you are, on the job where you are. Take heed to your surroundings and recognize, I'm the only one living for God in this whole company. How about, how about winning one person to God? How about finding one person and say, you know what? I kind of sense something about you that you're hungry for something better than the world has, I got the answer for you. Oh, it got quiet now. What's wrong with us talking about Jesus a little bit? Let's talk about us. What's wrong with us exalting the name of the Lord a little bit? What's wrong with us that we're afraid to talk about the good things of God when all the world constantly is cursing and using his name in vain and not ashamed to be what they are? We shouldn't be ashamed to be what we are. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. It's the power of God unto salvation. Titus 2 and 7, he said, In all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works. In doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, Sound speech that cannot be condemned. That he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. There's a time where we need to let our light so shine in this dark world that people recognize that there's something different about you. How many times does somebody come up to you? I know it's happened to you. It happens to me. You're a preacher, aren't you? You're a Christian, aren't you? Where do you go to church? Never be ashamed to say where you go to church. Never be ashamed to tell them, I worship the one true God. His name is Jesus. You need to come and listen. You need to come and experience. You need to come and be a partaker. You need to come and repent. You need to come and be baptized in Jesus' name. You need to come and receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It's time for us to let our light shine. It's time for a world to know there's something better than religion. There's something better than science. There's... 
There's something better than the world. Oh, I feel good in the Holy Ghost right now. I feel good in the house of God right now. There's something better than the world, something better than a dance hall, something better than a bar somewhere, something better than the world. I'm here to tell you this is the greatest thing going. We are apostolic. We love Jesus. We're apostolic and we love this truth. We're apostolic and we're looking for Jesus to come. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. Church ought to be exciting. It ought to be fun. It ought to be thrilling. There ought to be revelation in a service. There ought to be healings in a service. There ought to be deliverance in a service. This church, we need to recognize we're at the end of the world, and the world's going to look for us. The world's going to look for us. And I hope to God that we are still here long enough for our families to get in church. Every one of us have part of our family that's out. I mentioned the other day, my cousin has called, and one of my other cousins called this morning. I spent a while talking with her on the phone. She lives in Georgia. She married a good man out of this church, a praying man, Larry Kegley. Some of you that have been around for 40 years might remember the name. And we was talking about the other cousin that called a couple of weeks ago, and there was a level of cousins that we probably had 70 or 80 cousins because my grandmother had 11 children. Two of them passed away at birth, I think, so nine children. And Aunt Frances had about nine children. Back in those days, they needed them to work on the farm. And uh, no, that, the, the philosophy back, well, I won't go into that. They just had children to help work on the farm. And... There was, a, there was a lot of, lot of cousins, and there's seven of us left in that level. It's all that's left. And the sad part about it is when my grandmother passed away, Grandma Frost, on my dad's side, she taught my dad and the children. My dad received the Holy Ghost at the age of eight in a barn, a dirt floor, in the city of Turlock, California. She put something in those kids. Not very many of them are alive today, and some of them walked away from truth. But I'm so glad to tell you today that I had godly parents, parents that loved God. My father, the last 10 years of his life, couldn't hear a word of the service hardly at all, but he never missed a service. You know what that makes me think today? makes me think and also realize that if I have my health, I need to be in the house of God. If I have my voice, I need to worship him. And if I have my hearing, I need to hear the word of God. My, my, my. My mother was a great lady. She received the Holy Ghost in 1935. She raised us children the fear of God. She taught the youth class in this church for years. 
till I got to be in that youth class. My siblings went through it, and they did fine. But when I came along, she said, I'm out of here. And I'll never forget, I would come home from school, high school. I was 16 years of age, and I would drive home just to sit with mom and mark the Bible that's out there in that little shelf as she once again would go over scriptures with me because Esther, we were, weren't we in high school talking to several of those kids in high school? At lunchtime, we'd have a good time and I'd go home and I'd ask mom for scriptures and, and we'd come back and talk to them. And I see every once in a while, one or two of them and they always remember me. They say, are you still pastoring down there? I said, well, I'm still down there. And I'm saying that to say this. As life goes on, some people kind of just fall away. But we need to take heed to where we are. And this next phase of our lesson, I won't keep you much longer. But it says, continue. 1 Timothy 3 and 14. But continue. Not only take heed. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scriptures given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Continue in this. I'm preaching this tonight because we're living in the day that prophesied have fallen away. And we've seen some falling away. We've seen falling away from faith. We've seen falling away from holiness. We've seen falling away from truth and doctrine. And I want to say today, and I hope that you can get this lesson in your heart. We need to recognize who we are and what we have and the blessings of God that's in our lives. Continue in them. Continue in faith. Continue in the grace of God. Continue in the word of God. Continue in his goodness. Continue in prayer. Hebrews 3 and 12 said, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. There is no good time to backslide. There is no good time to leave the church. There is no time ever to walk out on God. We're too close to the end. We need to take heed to ourselves and continue in what has been taught to us. I know that you love truth or you wouldn't be here in a midweek service. But we can't just say, we're going to come on a midweek service or we're going to come on the weekend. We need to say, I'm going to live for God every day of our lives. Every day. Because the enemy is looking for the weak ones among us. I never will forget going to Canada with my mom and dad and we traveled. We had six men out of Bakersfield Church up there preaching and pastoring and and I, I went with my folks. We traveled with our trailer, and they traveled with their trailer. And we, we saw in the distant 
I heard of, well, well, we didn't know exactly what they were, but we saw the dust boiling and they were running. And it seemed like they were running in a circle. And uh, we got closer and there's a herd of, of antelope, I believe. And, uh, and as we got closer, there was a predator animal that was chasing them. And they would, they got there, there's a watering hole and they would come down and get their drink and this predator animal would chase them. They'd make a circle and come back around and then he'd chase them. You know what the predator was looking for? He was looking for a weak animal that he could jump on them and take their life. I've had the privilege to be close to the Serengeti in Africa and watched the animals there kill. And what they're looking for when they're chasing the animals there, the same thing they're chasing in Canada. They're looking for the weak among the herd. And they'll jump on them and bring them to the ground or bring them into the water and drown them. They're looking for the weak ones. This is why you need to be able to take heed to yourself and look all around you at all times and be aware of your surroundings, your spiritual surroundings. Because the enemy's looking for those that are weak among us that will hear the wrong thing or hear something and it'll cause them to faint or falter. And as we stand tonight and I try to close, that's why he said, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. That's why we go to church during the week. That's why we have prayer during the week. That's why we're in the house of God several times during the week because the enemy of our soul is looking for somebody that's weak among us. Take heed. You need to be aware of your surroundings. You need to be aware of where you're working, what you're doing, where you're shopping. All the places you go, make sure that you are a Christian in all that you do and all that you say. Because the enemy's looking for somebody that he could say, you know, they used to go to that church. They used to have the Holy Ghost. In fact, I heard somebody the other day talking about another individual just here in the church that just had the Holy Ghost when they were younger and came to church the other day and felt the power of God and lifted their hands. They had walked away some years ago, but they felt the power of God in this place. When backsliders need to come home, when backsliders need to come home, they need to know that we're just as strong as we've always been. We're just as vibrant as we've always been. We're worshiping just like we've always worshiped. We know the truth like we've always known it. We're not going to let the enemy take one of us. Somewhere we need to realize lurking, lurking in the darkness of society and the world is an enemy of your soul. Take heed unto yourself. Be aware of your surroundings. And as we sing today, if you need prayer in your body, we're going to invite you to the front. The elders are going to anoint you with oil and lay hands on you and pray for the sick. The blood of
blacks are homesick tonight. We want to pray for them. I melt the sick surgery in her eyes. For the Jess Parker. I stay 